You're listening to audio from Hope Fellowship Church of Jaffrey, New Hampshire. If you'd like to check out more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit hfcnh.org. And this is a day that um, begins as we sing, and as we've heard already, begins a holy week, a week of... um, says when Jesus started towards Jerusalem that he set his face towards Jerusalem and he knew that this was where he was going this is what he was here for and this and he was the promise and he was to fulfill that promise so I'm going to read these read this account in Mark uh, starting on verse 1 I think they have it up there yeah it says, now when they drew near to Jerusalem, this is the disciples and Jesus in the, in the crowd that was with them. And they had just come from, from uh, raising Lazarus from the dead. It says, now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Beth- Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, go into the village opposite you and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it. So they went their way. They found the colt tied to the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus, threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I was reading this, and I was wondering if they actually knew what they, were, what they were saying and who they were heralding at this moment. Did they really understand that this was the promise, that Jesus was the promise that was made in the garden? Did they fully understand that this was the one who would crush the head of the serpent? Or that this was the one that was coming to fulfill the, all the prophecy and satisfy a holy and righteous God? that this was the one that all the prophets foretold and all the scripture had pointed to up until this time. When they watched Jesus ride into Jerusalem on this foal of a donkey, did they really understand that this, this man, this man sitting on this donkey was the Redeemer, the one that God had spoke to Isaiah about and Ezekiel and, and all those prophets before had had talked about this one that would come and, and fulfill and, or, or take, take all of God's wrath on himself. Do you think they understood this or that this was the one that would reconcile the world back to the Father? Or that he was really the King of kings and the Lord of lords? I don't know that they could really understand this. Jerry mentioned it, that they were looking for, and they thought that he was a, a king that was going to free them from the, from the political world, 
So we really have to assume that they really didn't understand who this man was, that they were singing Hosanna, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They really didn't understand who he was. I, I like, and I specifically chose this verse, this uh, account out of the book of Mark, and I've spoken on this before because it's really, this really strikes me. I really like the way Mark puts it. He's the only one that puts it this way. In verse 11, I left verse 11 out purposely, and I want to read it now. Uh, verse 11 says, And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. All the other Gospels, after the Hosannas, it says that he went into the temple and he cleaned it out. I, I like Mark's account. Because I, I heard a, a message or I read something uh, years ago and a guy had touched on this and it really resonated with me that when Jesus rode into Jerusalem and all these people were shouting his hosannas and blessed is the name of the Lord and then he went into the temple and he looked around and I can just picture him and imagine him knowing who he was fully understanding that he was the fulfillment of all the prophecies, that he would, he would be the one that would bridge the gap between the Father and the lost world. And then standing in this temple and looking around at all that it represented and all that it stood for, and hearing the commotion, the bleeding of the lambs, the money changers, those coming with their, with their offerings, watching them pour out their drink offerings and doing all the things that were described and, and were commanded in the book of Leviticus. You read through the book of Leviticus. And I can picture Jesus standing in the middle of the temple looking around at all of these things that were, that were put there and knowing that within a week's time that all of this would be no longer needed. For he would be one sac he would sacrifice himself once for all time, and then he would fulfill everything that was going on in that temple up until that time, and it would no longer be needed. So when he had told his disciples that built tear this temple down, when they were they were talking about the temple and they were exclaiming how beautiful it was, and Jesus said that tear this temple down and in three days I will rebuild it. I can picture him standing in the middle of that temple and those words going through his mind that this temple will be destroyed. And it was physically. But knowing that that temple would be destroyed and a new temple would be built because of his sacrifice, that his body, not only his physical body, but his body would be the temple of the living God. That each and every single one of you today if you have Jesus, have received Jesus, are this temple. You are the temple of the living God. He has put his treasure in earthen vessels. It was for, for 4,000 years this had been going on. Well, we, I guess 2,000 up until the flood and then after the flood when, he, when Moses came 
And then since Moses, all of this, all of this had been going on. And, it, and for 4,000 years, God was preparing the world for his son. And I'm just amazed when I read through all of this Old Testament at the patience and the love of God and how long-suffering he is, how, how often he, he just, he went, his children would come back to him and, and he would take them back. And it, he even, there's even in, in, um, in the scripture, it says, that, it says that you have played the harlot with many lovers, yet come back to me. We have played the harlot with many lovers, and the Lord is still saying, come back to me, return to me. I, if there's anything I can do today, I want to somehow, and I believe that God, and I pray that God, through me, will, will somehow show you the love he has for this world. No, don't, we, it's easy for us to, it's hard for us at first, but then it's easy to know that God can love us. Because really, we ain't that bad. Honestly, if we look at ourselves, we're not that bad, right? So God can love us. But Fanny Crosby says, when the vilest of sinners cries out, on the, at that moment, they from Jesus apart and receive. The vilest offender. That's hard to imagine. We spend a lot of time on social media, um, looking at the news, reading about the things that are going on in this world. And I, I find myself many times, like the disciples standing outside of the city of, of, a city of Samaria, waiting for Jesus, and when Jesus came, because they weren't allowed into that, they weren't um, granted access into that city, they were waiting for Jesus, and when Jesus showed up, they said, Jesus, should we rain fire down on them? And Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to destroy, but to seek and to save the lost children of Israel. How many times in our lives, I'll speak of myself, how many times I have prayed for fire to rain down on individuals, on certain places in the world where it seems that it is so vile and so corrupt, and I question that why hasn't God come yet? How can God be so patient? If we could get a little glimpse of how much God loved this world, we would know why he's so patient. Ezekiel, twice in Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23, and Ezekiel 33, 11, they both speak of the same thing. And in paraphrasing, he says that God says that he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the world would turn and repent. That is God's desire. For 4,000 years, he prepared the world for this time, for the fullness of time, for his son to come. And today we celebrate the day that he rode into Jerusalem to fulfill all of God's plan, all of their plan since the creation of the world. Proverbs 24, 17 says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. If we're honest, we're pretty happy when we hear of someone that we feel 
is evil deserves their due reward. Scripture tells us not to be that way. Our heart, and if we could, we, we just sang this morning, you know, it's, it's amazing the songs that, that were picked for this morning are so fitting. And I guess, like I said, this, all of Scripture and all songs are fitting for today. Because this is what it's all about. This is what Scripture was written for. We have been given a word of reconciliation. Um, I want to read from, just so I don't misquote it, uh, 2 Corinthians. This has uh, struck me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 18 to 21. And when we understand, we just blessed in Ray and Penny and Lynn, and when we understand what it is to be in the kingdom of, of God, in the kingdom of heaven, uh, to be a disciple of Jesus, to be entrusted with his word. When we understand what that is, we, we read this, this scripture, and we can understand what God really has entrusted us with. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse uh, 17. I'll start at 17. It says, Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become become new. It says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He has given each one of us the ministry of reconciliation. That is our ministry. To, to, well, I'll I'll keep reading because it says it better. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though, listen to this, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Do we understand what we actually are? We are the heralds of the New Testament. The Bible is not completed yet. It is still being written. We have up until the death of the apostles, and that's about as far as it goes. But it's still being written. We are the New Testament. We are the the ministers. We are the heralds of Christ. We read that he will be coming again, and it will be on the clouds. He is coming to... To, uh, to redeem those that were lost. And 
we have been entrusted with that word, the word of reconciliation, to bring that word and to bring that redemption to the lost. And it is through us, his vessels, that that word will go out there and that those people will hear of this news and will turn from their wicked way. It's amazing when you, when you understand. And it just, it, it, it really hits me the way he says it, that we, it says, now we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were in us or, or pleading, pleading through us, be ye reconciled. That's our, that's our message. To be, be reconciled to God. The time isn't going to go on forever. And we talk about the love, the love of God and his patience. And, and when I say, you know, when we look around and we wonder, why hasn't he come yet? What, how, can he, how can he handle this? All of this corruption going on. If we could get a glimpse of what his love is. These these vilest offenders, these people that we would really like to see destroyed, these are God's children. These are people that God created. Each person on this earth has a soul within them that is eternal. And there's a day coming, and this is what I honestly believe is God God, that is going to be a bittersweet day. It'll be very, very, very sweet for those that are in Christ Jesus. And for, and for God, it'll be very sweet on that part when he can gather all of his church to himself, when the bride and the bridegroom are united eternally. That will be a joyous part. But there is another part to that day that God does not want to see that God is waiting and waiting and waiting and patiently waiting. He does not want that time to come when he will have to say, depart from me. When the, the day comes when he, when he makes the command and the last trumpet sounds and the, and the archangel gives a shout. And as it is described, when he extends his sickle and he, and he, and he harvests the earth, and he gathers the wheat into his barn and the chaff he burns with unquenchable fire. And he takes his flocks and he separates the goats from the sheep. I don't believe God is looking forward to that time. I believe he's looking forward to the time when he can gather his children to himself. But there is a certain part of that day that is making him hold off. He, is not, he does not rejoice at the death of a wicked we, it's easy for us to condemn the wicked. It's easy for us to, and we hear it all the time. I hear it all the time. I read it all the time. People are very flippant when we say, ah, go to hell. I'll see you in hell. No, you won't. And hell is not a time that will end. God doesn't have another plan. God doesn't have a plan to redeem the rest of his creation out of hell. That's eternal. He doesn't want that day to come. So he has entrusted each one of you with his Holy Spirit, with his word, 
has entrusted you with the word of reconciliation, that you, that me, that we can bring his creation to him. That's what this week is all about, so that this world could be reconciled back to him. He's done all that he can do. There isn't another thing he can do. He has poured himself out. He has given all so that we can be with him. I pray this morning that we can receive that and that we can extend that grace and that mercy to those that are around us. I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy. I have a hard time with that. I, I would love to see, I hope nobody here is from California, I'd love to see California broken off. And I really would. It, it, to me, it's, it, it's and, and it, there's places and there's people I would love, to, but that's not my call. I didn't die for those people. I didn't do anything for those people. Christ died for those people. It is God who justifies. And so just when we read these words and we sing these songs to try to really understand the unfathomable depth of the love of God, You know, when we, 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 John 3, 16 is so famous, but to read it that, for God so loved the world, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. God so loves the world. He so wants everyone to turn... It's easy to imagine those being separated from God eternally. But God also has to look at it in this way that he will be separated from them. There is no way possible that he could be reunited with those. It is eternal. I... Um, I don't have a whole lot more, but I do know that this day is coming uh, for those that are in Christ Jesus. It is a day that, that we wait with anticipation. It is a day that we, there are moments in our lives when we, I have, I have looked to the eastern sky and, and fully anticipated it at that moment to break open. And my heart has exploded in me. And it hasn't opened yet. And, and I have wondered why, but God has shown me that the time has not come. The, the scripture has not been completely written out yet. Um, there is a day coming when, when the final verse will be scripted and he will come and he will receive his own to himself. And oh, for his children, what a beautiful day that's going to be. And that is our focus and that is what keeps us going on this, in this life. Our encouragement and our instruction throughout scripture is to look, look towards heavenly things and not towards earthly things where 
rust and moths corrupt, but look and put our treasures in, in heaven and not on earthly things. Help each one of us to, to look to that. We get, it's, especially today, it's so easy to get caught up in this temporal thing, this, this earth that is going to pass away. I think of, um, I think of Rhoda, and uh, Luke Hollenbo spoke at his mom's funeral, and he, and he uh, kind of talked about our life as being a, a, a marathon. And we are, not only are we running in this marathon, but we are also cheerleaders in this marathon for those that are running. And I've never ran a marathon. I don't have a clue what it's about. I know there are some here, Lars Savo and others who have. But the way Luke described it, and I can imagine there are points in that race where you would, um, you would give up if it weren't for cheerleaders. And if it weren't for the promise of, of a finish, that there is a finish line somewhere ahead, knowing that each step you take will bring you one step closer. So I just want to encourage each one of us here to be, to run, to run with courage and to run with perseverance, but also to, to cheer, to cheer on those that are running, to those that we see are getting towards those areas of difficulty. We see them struggling. Let's take time out of our own race and, and help those through. So again, just try to, as we go through this Holy Week, um, understand what this week is all about. That all of Scripture, all of the Old Testament points towards this promise. All of the New Testament points back to it and encourages everyone to receive that promise, that this is the promise. This promise has been fulfilled. It's yours. All you have to do is receive it. Cry out, for there is not a single person in this world that God will ignore if they cry out. And just to, to dwell on how deep is the Father's love for us. How deep and how vast beyond all measure. This world is still standing because of God's love. And it is still standing because of his love for his people. And honestly, it's those ones that we really can't stand that he's being patient with. And he's being patient with us also, but for them, he wants everyone to turn to him. That's why we celebrate Palm Sunday. That's why we're going to celebrate Good Friday and Easter so that this world can be reconciled back to him. It's because of his love that all of this is taking place. And this is what we should focus on this whole week is the love of an almighty father. Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your love. And we thank you for times like this where we can gather and where we can reflect and look back on your love and on what you have done uh, for us on our behalf that you have poured yourself out as a drink offering, that you have sacrificed and given your only son, that he who, became, he, he who knew no sin became sin, 
so that we might become righteousness in him. Father, help us to understand this and not only understand it, but to share it. And Father, may you press that burden on each and every one of our hearts that we would, we would be your ambassadors and that we would have a love for those that, that don't know you. And instead of hating them and despising them, that Father, we would have a compassion on them and we would pray for them. And Father, if you give an opportunity that we would preach to them. Father, may your love be shed abroad in each and every one of our hearts. And may we be uh, good stewards of the manifold grace that you have bestowed on each one of us. Freely we have received. Father, may we freely give. In Jesus' name, amen.